It's Scott Hudson Riley. I just wanted to say before the interview starts that there will be some pauses during the interview. This is to protect the privacy of the guest, David. Thank you. Everyone has heard that one story about a moment in time or that one life lived. The oral history of the people who have come before us is disappearing. This podcast is a way to record and honor that history. I'm Scott Hudson Riley, and the past is here. This is the Past is Here podcast on April the 4th, 2020. I am interviewing David. Um, I'm doing this interview, normally I would do it in person, but now I'm doing it remotely um, from telephone because of the recent pandemic. Uh, and so here is uh, David. How are you, David? Yes, uh, my clock is ringing, so this will take a moment. Okay, no worries. in the morning, obviously. <laughs> no worries at all. It's it's wonderful actually. I love I love recording this. This is excellent. All right. Okay. Start off as a grandfather clock. Excellent. Okay. Uh, what, what type of clock is it? It's a grandfather. What what year was that made? Grandfather clock that my parents uh, obtained or were given on their the t- occasion of their wedding on June the ninth, nineteen twenty eight. Oh my goodness, that's that's a wonderful uh, heirloom. Uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah. That's uh, no. Um, and w- were they married in? Um, uh, well, I guess for to start off with, uh, whereabouts did you grow up? I grew up in Kingston, Ontario. Okay. And uh, were your parents from there as well? or? Uh, my father was born there. Um, they lived in Lloydminster, Saskatchewan, Alberta, oh. uh, for a period of time. And I think I was actually conceived there. And then they moved to Oshawa, where I was born. And we moved to Kingston shortly after I turned four. Wow, and um, what type of work um, did your father do? My father was a dentist. And did he have his own practice? He had his own practice. Initially in Lloydminster, he uh, started to practice, I think, with his brothers who were doctors, and uh, eventually he bought his own building on the main street my mother then moved out there with him when they got married because he was out there before they got married Mm -hmm. and I had an older brother who was born out there and as I say I think I was conceived out there and then my my sister my younger sister and myself were born in Oshawa 
And now, was um, was your mother working at all during this time? My mother never worked during our marriage. Uh, she she had she was employment before she was married, uh, and she was um, graduate of the Ontario College of Art, so she did a lot of painting, but she never really uh, did that for commercial reasons. Just did it out of joy. So she was a stay-at-home housewife, really, and that was expected then. Um, they were living in the, on the prairies during the course of the, the Great Depression, and it was particularly bad out there, so there wasn't any work available for women, right. particularly. And then they came to Oshawa during the war, and uh, of course she, by that time, had children. And now, did your dad go off to war at all himself, or? No, he was too young for First World War and too old for the Second World War. He was born in 1898. Tried to sign up for the First World War. He had two brothers that were already overseas, and in Kingston, they, 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 recruiters knew that and turned him down. He was only. Well, he turned 16 uh, just before the, the First World War started. Okay. Um, now, to ask you a kind of um, uh, maybe a somewhat relevant question, um, given, given uh, the time frame, did your parents ever talk about what it was like when, they, when the, uh, the, ni- uh, the 1918, the, the Spanish flu pandemic was happening? Was there ever any... Um, stories about that at all? I don't recall any. Well, of course, they would be young. They wouldn't, they don't, I don't think they met, well, they may have met in the early 20s. Um, that pandemic was in 1918, wasn't it? That's right, it was, yeah. 19. I don't recall any stories about it, uh, about personal uh, activities. Okay. Um, I wanted to ask, uh, um, what was your neighborhood like? Where, um... In Kingston, when y- I was growing yes. up? Yes, yeah. It was a pretty middle-class neighborhood. I was, um, when I was in high school, I was right at the edge of Queen's University. It was expected that everybody was going to try to get into university. There was a lot of competition and a lot of... Um, a lot of influence from the university at that point. Uh, I'm now living in Hamilton, and I liken it to the Westdale neighborhood of um, uh, near McMaster. Oh wow! Right around there. Okay. Um, now uh, I would, and now would you? Was it the sort of the classic where you could go out on the street and you would be hanging out with friends and every, neighbors knew each other? And yes, the neighbors knew each other. We had a dog. And in those days, uh, dogs did not need leashes, and the neighbor, we would, the dog would go out for a walk by himself and go up on everybody's porch. People sat in their front porches quite a bit, and uh, and would greet my dog, and uh, I knew a lot of the neighbors. Oh, that's okay. It was unusual on our street. If there was a house that you didn't know who lived in it. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. 
Um, now, um, now to my next question is: Do you remember um, where did your where did your family do their shopping? Like, was there a local butcher or a bakery they went to every week, or they was uh, there were little stores on corners, um, and we bought our groceries there. Uh, I, I have a recollection of uh, uh, being sent to the stores with with uh, ration coupons at the very end of the sec- first world, second world war. I was only seven when it ended, but the rationing continued for a while after that. And we, you would go to the store uh, with a list. Uh, you would go in the store and hand the list to the grocer. And he would give the things to you, put them in a paper bag, and you'd take them home. There was no, no exchange of money. Uh, my parents were sent a bill at the end of the month. Oh, really? Oh, wow. And And that that was, uh, there was an A&P store downtown that my mother went to once in a while. And she liked to go there to buy coffee, particularly. But there, but that was unusual. And there was a butcher store downtown, and there were bakeries. There was a bakery downtown. Um, this is on Princess Street in Kingston. Mm-hmm. But um, it was only after I was a teenager that a Loblaws opened up uh, closer to where we lived, and 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 that that happened in the fifties. That people, uh, the, the the system changed rather rapidly then. Okay, and do you, um, do you remember the name of the butcher shop or the corner stores at all? Well, yes. Um, um, uh, the corner store I went to was, was I think it was originally called Lee, L-E-E, but it, it, the, 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 the word occasion um, and then they I think they sold it to, to some people called Barrences I think they were the Barrences later that had the store butcher shop uh, there was a, a bakery downtown called the National Bakery mm-hmm. uh, butcher shop I'm not drawing a name oh, no worries at all That's... oh wait a minute wait a minute there was this, yes, it was called Block and Cleaver. Block and Cleaver, that's a pretty strange And um, <laughs> yeah. it was interesting, and Ripley's do it or, Ripley's, believe it or not, that used to be in the newspaper, it, it was syndicated from the United States. They had a, uh, they had a, a, an item once saying, believe it or not, Block and Cleaver run a meat shop in Kingston, Ontario. Well, the actual fact was that that somebody else whose name I don't remember owned the meat shop and he just called it Block and Cleaver. (laughs) (laughs) So that's where my parents shopped for their meat. Now, there was a time after we were teenagers when they they would buy a side of beef and they would hang it in a locker Mm -hmm. in a... um, in a cold storage unit downtown and we would be sent down my mother would phone down I, I think ahead of time and 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 ask them to cut a piece off of a, of a certain type of meat uh, depending on
would be sent down to pick it up and bring it home, and that would be used for, say, roasts, for instance, for Sunday dinner. Sunday dinner was important when I was a kid. Oh, was it really? Would that be? Could you maybe consider that part of like your uh, like that would be a definite family tradition? Sorry, I didn't catch the question. Sorry, um, would that be considered like a family tradition? Sunday dinner. Yeah, Sunday dinner. Yes, very much so. Um, it was um, it was held in the dining room. We had a complete dining room. Uh, we would, um, my mother would uh, come home from church, immediately change her clothes, and start to work on Sunday dinner. And I think she often put the roast in the oven before we went to church, and then she would work on that for a couple of hours. And we would sit down to dinner about 2 or 2.15 in the afternoon and, uh, and have a leisurely meal, and then it would be a re- relaxing time after the meal. But that meal was very important. And it was the most, by far the most important meal of the day. Of the day, wow. Not just, just correctly, even though we wouldn't have any company or anything, it would just be the five of us, but we would, it would be very, very, um, you know, we would have napkins, uh, have all the place settings correctly. My father sat at the head of the table. That was the way it was done in those days. Oh, sure. Um, now, did your um, uh, now were you, did you have your own garden as well? Like, uh, was growing your own food encouraged? Had a little bit of a garden in the backyard. The backyard was mainly uh, used for. We moved when I was 13. I'm thinking of the backyard before I was 13. Okay. Uh, it was used uh, mainly for play. We had a swing and uh, tra- trapeze. I used to do sort of contortions on it. But as, as I grew a little older, I guess we replaced the, the seat with the trapeze with a, with a, uh, a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a fence around the backyard that I could walk around the top up and balance on. My, my sister never was able to do that, I don't think. But there was very little, there was a small plot where we tried to grow food. I think the reason was that my grandparents lived a few blocks away and we had a huge area there where we would grow our own food and he gave pieces, areas in his backyard because he had a huge one to myself, my siblings, and my cousins. And um, we would prepare our, our radishes and our our lettuce and so on with what was growing in the in our cousins' plots. We would we would get over there not every day. We'd get over there maybe once a week. And uh, so I think my grandfather tended it a lot himself. Well, it was kind of like a family community garden in some ways, I guess. Yep. Um, well, thank you for that. Um, I, now, I wanted to ask, um, when you were growing up, do you remember, like, as you got older, like, what would you do on 
on like a Friday night? Like what, what, yeah, what, what sort of activities or where would you go? Like were there bars you would go to or were, were there like the movies or what would you do? It's interesting that um, you asked the question, what was you on a Friday night? Because um, my family uh, right now, uh, I don't have family in Hamilton at all. And we're, we're Zooming together every night at 7.30. We all get in front of the, the, the screen and, and because we're all combined. Yeah. And my sister just last night announced that she had found uh, a, a book of Yeah. We used to have meetings every Friday night. Um, my not almost every Friday night, and she reminded me because she was reading the minutes of these meetings. And the, my parents were teaching us democracy. I, I didn't realize it until she started telling us. I never thought about it later, but it occurred from uh, I was born in 1937. Uh, she said that she had a book of minutes from 19. 47 to 1951. Okay. And there would be the, the five of us. We would elect a president, we elected a secretary, and then we would have minutes. And she was delighted to know that, she, that at some point, and she would have been eight in this period of time, eight through to well, 11 or 12, I guess. And she said there was one point where she saw her father, our father, presented a, a motion as to some something that should be happening in the family. She argued against it, and she won. <laughs> and and, uh, and I, we're sitting there thinking, isn't that amazing, the way uh, parents sort of teach, uh, uh, you know, authority nowadays. They don't think of it that way. But they were teaching us, first of all, the, uh, some of the basic rules of a... Of a parliamentary procedure, but also they taught us how democracy works, and, and basically, I guess he made a suggestion that that um, was shot down by my little sister, um, and and I give a great tribute to my, my parents for, for introducing, uh, you know, it, it introducing their, their uh, us to, to partake in the, the decisions as to how we were to live our lives. Um, she, uh, I think my mother organized it a lot. My, my dad was in the hospital for a, a lengthy period of time while that was going on, and we wrote letters to him. Apparently the letters are affixed to the, 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 the minutes, mm -hmm. the letters he wrote back, rather. Um, we had a social period of the, uh, uh, in which uh, we would play the piano, my sister and myself, my, my brother would play the violin. Um, we had a poetry contest, uh, all kinds of, of interesting things. So, but they were family oriented. Yes. I don't remember going out much during that period of time. Um, uh, I guess there were 
as they go on in high school there were there were social events around the high school but that was later wow that oh i love hearing your family dynamic that's that's very special and uh, i i think that's a, a wonderful experience there that's great yeah and it's something that i that i it completely gone from my mind until my sister reminded me of it just uh, either last night or the night before and it's um, it's 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 she says she's going to mail this book to me so I'm, I'm looking forward to it oh great um now uh now as you got older uh now am i right now do um I guess my, my sort of next question is, um, you did go on to higher learning. Now, uh, was it Queens uh, you went to, or? Yes, I went to Queens for undergraduate, mm -hmm. and then I carried on and went to Queens. I went to law school. Okay. And um, never considered going anywhere else. I, I uh, am in a wheelchair now, and I go to a wheelchair gym at McMaster, and I work worked with with kinesiology students who are you know, on average about 20 21 years old mm -hmm. um, and they are often considering what they're going to do in the in the form of postgrad work mainly because kinesiology students can't find work and um, I am advising them that it's a good idea to go to to a second school university if, if you have the opportunity. It never occurred to me to go, to, well, it did occur to me, I guess, to go to a second university because I did apply to Ottawa and I got accepted there as well, but they, 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 I was much more comfortable in Kingston and staying at home. Although the fact of the matter is that after I, uh, or even partly, it might have been even during my first year, I or maybe it was the, I can't remember exactly when I, I moved out of the home and uh, lived closer to the campus. <laughs> That's wow. Okay, so then once you got your law degree, uh, first of all, um, what um, what type of law did you practice? I, I way back when, and this is nineteen sixty nine. I sixty eight, sixty nine. I practiced criminal law. I practiced, uh, started with municipal law. I started as a assistant city solicitor for the city of Kitchener. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, my whole, it's interesting, we got this far in the interview, I, I'm, I'm revealing for the first time that I spent, I consider Kitchener now my hometown. I, I spent my whole adult life in Kitchener. Mm -hmm. uh, and, but I, it morphed into criminal law in the last uh, seven or eight years that I practiced. I, I did only criminal law, criminal defense work. Oh, you you did criminal defense work. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and uh, now, where um, did you uh, did you have your own practice when you were there? Yes, I started as assistant city solicitor for Kitchener, uh, and then I I went into a firm where I was, uh, my main insistence was that there would be the municipal work. Uh, so there was, in, in two different ways, I was 
the last village solicitor for the village of Bridgeport before regional government in 1973. Bridgeport ceased to exist. I uh, it also opted for some developers. I never found it that comfortable acting for developers, but one of the things that they insisted that on the firm that I joined after I was left the city was that I um, that I do some criminal work, and uh, so I uh, I agreed to and I did it, and uh, just by word of mouth uh, I became quite popular as a criminal lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, did also some immigration work in the early seventies, fair amount of immigration work, frankly, but um, that criminal and immigration then became my my forte. Okay, and and um, it, again, not not trying to pry too much. Obviously, uh, the um, so what's um, I guess like wh- can you remember some of the cases uh, you worked on uh, to uh, to some degree, or was there a uh, not asking you to give names, but examples of, of what type of cases you worked on? What kind of cases? Yeah, everything. <laughs> okay, <laughs> everything. I I did. Uh, I, I would do a. Shoplifting, and I would uh, I did many homicides. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, everything in between. Mm-hmm. I it wasn't ter- terribly particular in that sense. I liked doing the criminal work. Uh, sometimes there would be little things that would morph out of it, like family law, and I just didn't enjoy that. And I I would often send that somewhere else. Did you, and now, uh, were you, uh, and I guess I'm sort of asking too, were you more drawn um, to defense work because you felt that everybody deserved a chance or um, as, a, as opposed to maybe doing uh, prosecution work? Yeah, I'd done a little prosecution uh, in, in, in when I was working for the city. I'd, I'd done, I, I did some uh, bylaw prosecution and... Um, so that was when I first got into court and got a sense of the courtroom. Uh, but the only thing that I really ever wanted to do in the way of actual criminal law, using the criminal code or 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 the various drug codes, I was defense work. Mm. I, I, I the, the idea that a, 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 a person who has been charged with an offense um, and was usually bewildered by the system would have uh, an opportunity to to have me work with them I would have I would bring to bear my knowledge of the system my knowledge of the law and we would work together uh, against the uh, police force which uh, was constantly growing in size but I, I know that uh, in the 80s, it was uh, over 500 in the Waterloo Regional Police. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, it was probably more like seven or 800. And they had access to all kinds of uh, forensic uh, assistance that uh, we often didn't have. And that gave me a sense of uh, being David against Goliath, I suppose. Okay. Wow. Okay. And- now, 
Is there, um, is there, a, is there like a, a moment you can think of or a case that, um, that's, that's like a favorite moment or is there a case you were sort of proud of um, that's, that you felt you were really effective with or that you helped out with? What favorite moment? Yeah. In my criminal law career? Sure. <laughs> Nothing's percolating ahead okay. of else right now. Uh, no, no worries. Uh, that's fine. Um, is there, a, do you remember, was there a case or, or even a moment anywhere uh, in your life, a defining moment that maybe changed you? A defining moment that changed me? Yeah. Um, well, this a long, this long interview, uh, we haven't started to, you know, one of my other careers. Uh, I was also a politician and I was in the legislature for two terms. Okay. And suddenly in 1990, our party was, was, demolished and um, I suddenly found myself out of the legislature mm -hmm. people had said to me because I had a good reputation I think as a as a, as a good constituency man and somebody that uh, used a lot of common sense people would say to me you can stay in the legislature as long as you want <laughs> and I wanted to stay more and the people threw me out because they were mad at my leader, I suppose, but that happens. Uh, I guess I benefited from his popularity earlier. Okay. And um, I had to come to grips with the first and only time that I didn't have uh, meaningful work. I, I, I wasn't initially excited about the idea of going back into the practice of law, I, uh, uh, there, 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 was, there was a period later in life when I was excited about going back in or wanted to go back, but at that, this point I was 53, and um, I suddenly realized, really, for the first time emotionally, this sounds like a silly thing to say, uh, because intellectually I knew it, I realized that someday I'm going to die. And um, now that I live in a retirement residence and uh, I'm the focus of a, of a, a pandemic and apparently uh, one of, uh, I'm in a demographic that is very much a focus of a pandemic, I'm, I'm very so much dealing with that issue and coming to grips with it. But, um, back when I was 53, it was something that uh, suddenly hit me. Uh, I couldn't really just do whatever I want throughout my life. I had to, I had to accept something that. Uh, that more, yeah, mortality. I guess you really realized your mortality uh, in that moment. Uh, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and after that, I settled down and uh, practiced criminal law for, and only criminal law for seven years, and I enjoyed it. Then I had um, 
then I was 59 and I I joined the Immigration and Refugee Board and I became a tribunal member of that board um, and I did that for 10 years when I was finished that uh, the last while I was doing that I, I longed for being back into criminal law um, wasn't always the comfortable with working with a big bureaucracy which is what we had to do I liked doing the hearings but I didn't like time between the hearings when I had to deal with the bureaucracy <laughs> which, well, well, which I, I think I, resented <laughs> I think there was a, a sense in the immigration department that they they, they really didn't see people coming in from the outside and, and doing all the, the important stuff like making decisions about refugees when they did all the preparation, they thought they should be making the decisions too. So there was always a little tension there that made it less enjoyable than it should have been. I, I think back on that career, and I think that I could have um, handled it better. I should have handled it a lot better and been uh, been more open to to dealing with the bureaucracy and having them give me a little more assistance in, in making my my decisions but I was I, I was happy with the decisions I made I've, uh, I've uh, not I'm not aware of any anything that this reverberated I, I let a lot of people into this country and I, I I don't know of a single case where I could say that person has let me down I think mostly they're busy with their lives uh, contributing to this country. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing to sort of, uh, what a great sort of legacy. Yeah. Um, now, I I was going to ask, are you, um, I know in earlier in the interview, you said that you used to play piano. Is that something that you're still doing? I'm certainly not doing it now, and in fact, I, I I didn't play the piano much after I'd gone into my teenage years. I played the clarinet in the high school band, but I stopped playing the piano. I, I somehow I I just sort of resented it uh, when I was 13. Or I, I I think of it. I thought of it as, as being effeminate or something. Yeah. And I stopped playing, and I certainly regret that. My sister continues to play to this day, and uh, enjoys it. And she, but uh, but I don't. Um, I love music. I uh, sang in the church choir. I love to sing. Uh, I'm known in the retirement residence here for somebody who burst into song on occasion. Uh, but um, not a pianist. Now, the other factor is that even if I had been a pianist, uh, I had a spinal cord injury uh, seven and a half years ago, and my hands are crippled. Oh, so I'm, okay. I'm not able to uh, use them for very much at all, frankly. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I, <clears throat> I was going to say, and uh, I was going to ask, are your siblings living uh, nearby, or are they across the country, or... My sister lives beside a small lake.
Lake in eastern Ontario. Okay, great. I don't know whether you know eastern Ontario, but she lives uh, fairly close to Bon Echo Park. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Weed. She, uh, I, I, uh, she lives there. My brother passed away uh, 18 years ago now. It doesn't seem that long. And um, they each had three children. So I'm relatively close to my nieces and nephews and their children. I, um, uh, in the course of, um, and then we've had the long interview now, I've never mentioned anything about my own about lives, with, but I've, I've had um, three marriages. Okay. My uh, first two didn't work out well. I had no children of by myself. Third marriage occurred... Uh, uh, when I was in my late 50s and um, well really early 60s I guess you would say and then um, I have uh, a daughter a stepdaughter who lives in Ottawa with she's married with three children who I consider my grandchildren they are teenagers mm-hmm. and I have a stepson that lives in California that I don't hear too much from okay um and the, the, the Zooming that goes on is put on by my niece, who's uh, charged of the virtual campus at Carleton University, so she's quite, quite adept at these things. So she's put together a family meeting uh, that occurs every night at 7.30, and the, the various nephews, nieces of mine are involved in that. Um, and their children and so on. So I feel pretty, I feel, I feel, uh, I see more of family now than I did before, quite clearly because they're so far away. Sure. But so I've got uh, the, the uh, some of my niece, I, I have a nephew and a niece that live in Toronto, I'm trying to think. I have two nieces in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're not that far away, but they, they, they're raising children, and I don't see them much. I it's, don't see them live much. That's, uh, that's an incredible, credible thing to hear that, you know, family, you know, through technology family, uh, you have somebody that's really heading the charge and, and bringing everybody to, together on a daily, um, yeah, on a daily basis. That's, uh, I find that um, remarkable and a it's real... Product that I hadn't heard of a, a month ago. Yes. Uh, going viral, I guess. I just wish I had shares in it. But <laughs> yeah. just Me too. Me too. Yeah. Morning. How? Can't remember the figures, but how? How? How much it has grown in in. It's it went from ten million users to two hundred million users within. I think it was within the last couple of months. I think it was. It is. It's. It's. What, ex- what are the figures again? I believe it started at 10 million because I read an article as well. Um, I think it went from 10 million a month to 200 million a month users. So the growth has been exponential. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Totally incredible. Um, I I, I was going to say, are there any other hobbies uh, that you are doing at all? Like, are are you you like, um, I know that you were saying you're unable 
to really use your hands, but are you able to read? Are there digital readers around? Or I read a lot. I like to read the uh, papers, and and I get, and people give me books, so I end up reading books um, that are books I I I would have I should have really pursued my reading career as an elderly person uh, with my cable or, or, or Kindle. My, my wife had a Kindle and she, uh, and then I got a Kobo after she died. Um, uh, but I don't seem to get books on them anymore. I, just partly because I'm always sort of reading a book that somebody's given me. Sure. Okay. Is there is there a? I, I, um, can you think of? But I still like to. I guess I like reading the book too, and I like reading magazines, newspapers. Excellent. Um, now I I have to ask that this is uh, kind of like rounding out the interview. Um, I was going to ask: um, Is there is there something that you enjoy about this time of your life? Something I enjoy this time of my life? Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, I have, the, 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 this, it's, it's on hold right now because of the pandemic, but I have a, a constant stream, and I've lived in Hamilton now for seven years, seven and a half, and I have a constant stream of visitors from Kitchener-Waterloo. Uh, friends that have, uh, have been sometimes friends that have been there all my life sometimes they're fairly new friends but um, I would say that I on the average have maybe two a week come and visit me that's amazing Okay. and that's amazing they come from Kitchener-Waterloo I have a, a really good friend who is a retired uh doctor and uh, my health is relatively precarious to his we're the same age but he comes down here and goes to all my medical appointments with me and um, uh, I have another friend who's a I practiced criminal laws with I suppose not really with directly we were competitors but I knew him uh, and then I was somewhat influential in his going to the bench when I was in politics, and he was—he became a judge. And he comes and visits me now, and and now we Skype pretty well every day, um, just to talk about. We just—I say we pontificate. Yeah. <laughs> as good friends should, uh, for sure, definitely. So uh, yeah, that's that's a, that's a wonderful thing. It's become a beautiful hobby. The last thing I did, uh, of course, I'm locked into this building now, but the last thing I did, which was, I think, three weeks ago today, today, 30 March, was to, I went over to the Sheridan Hotel and had lunch with uh, a couple that had come down to visit me from Kitchener Waterloo. Okay. And the result of that is I probably haven't made as many friends as I should have here. It's almost like I, I, I did. No, I don't need them. I've made some friends in in the church, but I've um, 
they haven't become close friends. And uh, similarly, I haven't had anybody really here consider really close friends. Well, I definitely commend you for being open to uh, to still engaging with people. I think that's uh, that's a marvelous thing. That uh, that's great. Yeah, I love engaging with people. I am a little concerned in too close a proximity for lunch hours. I guess the argument is, well, the, the, re the reasoning is that they, they can't really beat us all six feet apart, but they are I, they're probably rationalizing that by saying that the 112 of us are all family. Right. Uh, but... Um, that could fall apart pretty rapidly if some one person got uh, diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. Right, right. Not sure what they'd do then. I guess we'd all be in our room. But then they, 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 it's hard to feed us in our rooms with uh, the staff they have. Everybody's, everybody's, Everybody in the front line is stretched right now. Sure they are. No, and w would you say the atmosphere uh, amongst the residents, is it, uh, you know, it, it, given the circumstances, is it positive as it can be for the most part, or? Uh, it's almost positive to the point of recklessness. Okay. Um, I don't know whether it's because people here, the average age is over 90, whether there's there, um, uh, I, I go out to the eating area and everybody is, maybe it's because they've been sitting all alone for all morning, they will be very gregarious and they'll be quite, they'll come up to you and they'll start shouting at you in your face. And um, uh, I have, I'm a little, a little concerned about that because we don't know if somebody got the virus could be several days before they know and by that time we could be spreading it uh, so I have I have uh, a mask myself as of yesterday and that and I just sort of pull it up as somebody's coming and gushing at me for with some sort of and I hope I'm not hurting their feelings, but, but of course, when people don't realize it, when you put the mask on, it's to protect them, not to protect me. They're gushing, they're, they're, they they sure they do care, but I've been, in fact, when they gush at me with the, their breath, they're, they're, they're possibly infecting me. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. You definitely have to show diligence. Uh, absolutely. So, um, uh, David, I, I wanted to ask uh, one thing. You were saying that you love music. Um, what, uh, do you have a favorite type of music? Is there one that you can think of uh, sort of, is it choral? Because I know that you said you were involved with a church or? I, I love choral music and if, if there is a favorite, I suppose that's it. Okay. Uh, but, I, but I do love all kinds of music. For sure, okay. Um, I, uh, okay, well, I wanted to, um, uh, I, I guess I was going to uh, round out uh, this interview by uh, thanking you so much 
for being open and uh, sharing your life, uh, your life experiences. You've been very generous with your time and you've, you've sounded really wonderful and very rich, a rich life uh, you've led for sure. I've had a good life. I've, I've been fortunate and I've, I've had a very good life. Uh, when I fell and had my spinal cord injury, I was 75. And uh, I see other people with spinal cord injuries that had them much earlier in life. And I'm grateful that, that I've had 75 good years.